Hi, my name's Paul Grogan. Welcome to episode 16 of the all-new Gaming Rules podcast. This podcast is an audio version of the Gaming Rules monthly video log that went out at the start of March 2022. This podcast is only made possible thanks to the financial support of my Patreon campaign. So if you enjoy the content that I create and you want to support the channel directly, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now on with the show. My name is Paul Grogan. Welcome to the Gaming Rules monthly video log for March 2022. Now, in these video logs, I normally have a process where I talk about all of the games that I've been playing, then what else is going to be covered on the channel, then some personal stuff, etc, etc. This video log is going to be slightly different. Uh, I'm going to actually start by not talking about all of the games that I've been playing, but talking about something that's happening that's important at the moment. Now, Many of you will know that I don't use my channel or my social media channels or anything like that uh, to talk about politics or what's going on in the world. In, in the last few years where we've had all of the problems that have been going on in the world, I'm one of those people who choose to keep the channel board game focused. But that doesn't mean that I don't care about what's going on in the world. Okay, What you see, hopefully, uh, is an enthusiastic person smiling and doing playthroughs and enjoying the games. And that is the content that I want to be creating for you. But if for one minute you think that, you know, I don't care about what's going on in the world and I don't worry about what's going on, then that's that's very, very far from the truth. Um, the reason I'm talking about it now, and I don't want to get into too much of the detail of the politics, um, but with what's going on uh, over in Ukraine at the moment, um, yeah, it, it's worrying. It's obviously causing a lot of people problems and uh, a lot of people are struggling to cope with, with what's going on. Now, this in no way takes away from the struggles that the people in Ukraine are actually having, which is far worse than any you know mental health issues that, that I might be having, for example, with it. But the reason I'm mentioning it now is a lot of you know that I give every single penny of my advertising revenue to charity. I always have, uh, and it, it's quite a lot of money every month, but it all goes to charity. Uh, and we've just made a £600 donation to uh, one of the charities uh, that is basically supporting the humanitarian crisis that's going on in Ukraine. And until further notice, that's where all of the money is going. So a big thank you to everybody who watches my videos, because every single time you watch a video and an advert pops up, that money is is going to charities to hopefully help people directly. A big thank you, as I say, to everybody who supports me and everybody who watches the channel, um, because that money is going directly there. Okay, right, now, moving on to... The bit that you're all here to see, which is all of the games that I've played. Now, this is going to be all of the games that I've played since the last video log, which is actually the 7th of February right through to Friday night. Now, this video log was supposed to be filmed last week. I'd actually booked out time last week to do it, but um, various issues cropped up and I wasn't able to. So I'm recording this on Monday. What's the date today? Uh, Monday the 7th of March. So yeah, so basically it's about a month's worth. It's from February 7th right through to yesterday, although I didn't play any games this weekend. So, yes, off we go then. First of all, uh, the 9th of February, <laughs> it seems so long ago now, um, it's less than a month ago, but I did a solo games day here at uh, Gaming Rules headquarters. So for, for a, uh, a rare thing, nobody came round and I just did solo games all day. I actually played four solo games that day, two solo games of Zhangnan and two of Australia. Now, if you were to look on the channel, you will only see one game of each that went public. 
um, because I did Patreon-only streams for the warm-up game. So basically, I got out with Zhang Nan, I set it up, and I did a solo game as a, as a practice game, effectively me learning how to play the solo game and then having a dry run through it. I do this pretty much for most of the videos that I cover on the channel. I do a I do, I do a practice game first and that and that was live streamed. So yeah, so uh, it was a live stream for patron supporters of me learning how to play Zhang Nan the solo mode, then the public stream of it, and then later in the day I got Australia out again, did a, did a practice solo game, then followed by the actual real solo game. So if you're interested in seeing solo playthroughs of Zhang Nan or Australia, uh, they are on the channel now, the public ones anyway. Um, Zhang Nan was one that I agreed to do because it was in the middle of the crowdfunding campaign for the game uh, and it was going well and uh, Mo Ideas were, were, were happy with how it was going, but there is a solo mode and as far as I know nobody else had actually covered the solo mode uh, on any of their channels and because I'm a big solo game player now, not as big as some other channels, but you know I do a lot of solo gaming uh, and I really enjoy some solo gaming, so I offered to basically do a solo playthrough of them playthrough for them, uh, for the campaign, because there were a number of backers who were interested in the game but wanted to see the solo mode. So yeah, I did that, that was on the channel. Now, as far as my opinion on the game, I can't really give it too much because that was a sponsored video. Um, all I will say is, for those of you who know the kind of solo games that I like, um, it, it, was, it, was, it, it was a good one. Now, if you don't know the kind of solo games that I like, I don't particularly get on with complex AIs. I want either no AI, no AI opponent whatsoever, where I just literally just play the game as normal, um, or I want a very simple AI which isn't too complicated to handle, because that for me takes my mind away from the actual game itself. And the solo game of Zhang Nan was, uh, was, was perfectly all right. There was a little bit uh, of an AI that you had to manage, but it was relatively easy, and yeah, I, th I found it a good solo game. I have fed back to them, though, that I think the game needed customizable difficulty, which they've said they're going to do. Um, because I played the solo game, and I think I managed to win, but there was no way of customizing the difficulty in the prototype that I had. They are working on that, and they are going to put in uh, some extra rules in there so that you can play on different difficulty settings. Australia, however, I, I, Australia, however, I can talk about that. Uh, because that wasn't a sponsored video uh, in any way, so I can give you my, my total honest opinion on the game. Now, Australia is a game that I've covered on the channel before, multiplayer. Um, I hadn't covered the solo mode, but I'd heard from various people that the solo mode was, was pretty good, so I wanted to give it a try. Now, my thoughts on the solo mode of Australia, first of all, as a solo mode goes, it, it, it's good. Um, the, there isn't an AI as such, but that's not true, because there kind of is, because in the multiplayer game of Australia, there are the old ones that are doing nasty things. In the solo game, there are still the old ones doing nasty things, so they still follow similar rules. But there isn't that much different in the solo game than in the multiplayer game, from what I remember. Um, my thoughts on the solo game are very similar to my thoughts on the game as a whole. Australia is a game that I, on paper, should not like. It has some semi-cooperative elements to the game, which are a big no-no for me. It has combat, which is, although it's not dice rolling, it is flipping over cards and it can be a bit random. Um, and particularly the way that the game ends, when the game ends, what you do is you reveal the remaining old ones that are still on the board face down and they are worth 
negative point, well, the, the, the old ones score points. And basically, depending on what gets flipped up at the end of the game, the old ones might score loads of points or not many points. And that is quite random. So, for example, in the solo game that I played, when the game ended, and although I thought I was doing quite well, we flipped over the tiles at the end, and I think one of them was like a kangaroo. Which is like, well, that's, that's nothing there, there's no points. If that tile had been Cthulhu, that would have been like 24 points for the old ones. So it can be a little swingy. Now, I don't mind that in a game, because, as I've said many times for the last couple of years, my tastes and my approach to gaming has evolved. And if we just take that solo game of Australia, as a, as a perfect example, okay, that last tile that we revealed, let's just say, if it was a kangaroo, I win the game. If it was Cthulhu, I lose the game. Let, let's just say that, for example. It, it wasn't that, because I think my points was, were, were high enough that even if it was Cthulhu, I still would have won. But let, let's say, for example, that means I've been playing a game, and I've been putting a lot of hard work into playing this game and making decisions and everything else, and then right at the end, you reveal a tile, and through absolutely no fault of my own, or you've got no control of it, it is completely random, you could win or lose the game, right? Now, years ago, I would, I would basically sell the game. I'm, I'm not interested in that. Now, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Because whether I win a game or I don't win a game, at the end, it doesn't really matter to me, okay? Now, saying that, I play a lot of Maracaibo solo. And it is nice when I manage to win the game. And I'm trying hard to win the game. But it kind of doesn't matter whether I do or not. I, I don't. I still enjoy the game. And Australia is one of those games that I enjoy. Now, if you're playing multiplayer, the randomness of the game might get to you a bit more. But certainly in a solo game, it didn't bother me too much. Now, uh, speaking of Australia, the latest expansions have arrived. Uh, I've done an unboxing video of those. And I will be covering the new expansions more on the channel at some point in the next month or two. Uh, hopefully, maybe even this month. Anyway, I've rambled enough about Australia. Go and check it out if you're interested. Martin Wallace, uh, a, a, just a weird mismatch of, not a mismatch, but a weird combination of different game mechanisms with definitely some Euro elements in there, but definitely some non-Euro elements in there as well. And it just, it all goes together in a theme that I quite like, and I just think it's a great game. So anyway, moving on. Um, 11th of February. Uh, was Tindaya Day. So I actually played Tindaya three times on the 11th of February, um, but if you check out the channel, you will only find one of them, which is a multiplayer playthrough. Now, you will find another Tindaya game on the channel, and that was filmed on the Monday, I believe. Yeah, so we'll talk about Tindaya as a whole. Between those four days, Friday and the Monday, I played Tindaya, I think, five times. So in the morning, on the Friday, um, the designer of the game, uh, Lolo, taught me and Hilmar how to play the game using Tabletop Simulator. That was streamed to Patreon supporters. It was very much a, um, yeah, the designer teaches us how to play. So it was quite a long game, and I don't think we finished the game. I'm pretty sure we didn't finish, um, because it's quite a complex game. There is a lot going on. But basically, the designer took time out on the Friday morning to teach us how to play. Then what happened is, in the afternoon, some friends of mine arrived and we set the game up and we played a game of it. Now that again was streamed to Patreon supporters, but the whole point of the afternoon was for us to all prepare for the evening. 
and then in the evening we did a live multiplayer playthrough of Tindaya. So if you go and check out the channel for Friday the 11th of February, you will see a multiplayer game of Tindaya on the channel. And then what happened on the Monday, I set up for the solo game. I did a practice solo game, again, which was streamed to Patreon supporters. Uh, and that was all in preparation for me then doing an actual live solo game. So yeah, so I played Tindaya five times over that period of time. Now, bear in mind, it was a sponsored video. The designer had contacted me and uh, ages ago now, like six months ago, and said he thinks Tindaya is the kind of game that I would like and he would love it to be covered on the channel. Um, and I initially said no to it because at the time when he asked me, I was feeling very overwhelmed with work and I looked at the game and I went, this looks quite complicated. And although it might be the kind of game that I like, I'm really struggling with workload at the moment. So I, I'd said no to it. However, when I then met him at Essen and I did have a look at the game at Essen, I was like, this looks like the kind of game that I really would like. So I, we managed to find a time when I fit it into the schedule. Thankfully, the, the, the game found campaign for it um, had been delayed which means I was able to fit it in. So yeah, so bearing in mind it was a sponsored video. Um, my honest opinions of the game is that it is a solid game. Now, the game has various modes of play. It has solo, it has cooperative, and it has competitive. And I know a few people, whenever they see that in a game, uh, and I've seen discussions about this on the Slack channel, they're put off from it. And I kind of half understand that because there are some games that have come out in the past where there is, oh, but you can play it in this way. Oh, and you can play it that way. Oh, but you could play it this way. And I think in some of the other games, they don't do any of the modes very well, or, or they do one mode very well, and the other ones are kind of tacked on, and they're using it as a marketing ploy to go, oh, but you could play the game like this. Tindaya isn't like that. Tindaya, I've played it, um, all three modes of it, I think. I think I've played all three modes of it. Um, and I think it works well, all all, all modes. And that's that's unusual because when I learned the difference between the competitive and the cooperative version, I was like, well, this doesn't seem much different, but it, it actually is. There's only a few rules tweaks, but the whole way it plays out is actually quite different. Um, basically, you're not trying to get points over the other players. You're just trying to achieve the objective of the scenario. So you take a different approach to the game um, and certain things that got you points don't get you points anymore because there's no points and things like that. Anyway, yeah, it's a solid game. Uh, the theme of the game is actually really good. Um, a lot of people were trying to compare it to other games, and I think one of the games that it does compare a little bit to is an older game called Archipelago, um, in that there is a sort of semi-cooperative element because there are bad things happening, and you can influence those bad things to hurt other players more than it could hurt you. Uh, and at the end of the game, if, if the... Um, if the people trying to colonise the island get, get too many, uh, then you could all lose. But the gameplay is good, the decisions that you make in the game are good as well. There is a slight concern over some of the powerful cards, because in the game that we played in the evening, uh, Rob played this, this card on, which basically moved. The, basically, there are these gods that do bad things, because they're gods and you've upset them. Um, and he played the card that moved this god just before it had its effect from here to here. And it absolutely wiped me out. It like completely devastated me. Um, and I was thinking, well, that was a bit random and everything else. But in, the t in terms of what impact it had on the game, it actually didn't have as big an impact as I thought it had. So yeah, it's not as bad as, as people think. I, I know a couple of people saw that video and went, oh, well, I was enjoying it until the point where Rob did this and completely crushed Paul. 
Um, but if they'd have stayed to the end, they would have seen that it actually didn't have much impact on the final scoring. Um, we did do something slightly wrong in the final scoring. It wasn't picked up in the live playthrough, so nobody nobody mentioned it. But as soon as we went off camera, Rob was like, are you sure that's how it scores? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure it is. Let's look at the rule book. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, and Rob should have actually scored a couple of extra points. But anyway, the solo game was fantastic. I absolutely loved the solo game of it because... And if you're interested, go and check it out on the channel. This was on Monday, 14th of February. The solo game, what a journey, what a game. It was such a tense game with the gods, as I say, doing things and volcanoes going off and all of these things happening. And the way that the board evolves, this is one of my favourite parts of the game, is that you create the board at the start of the game with all these little islands. But then as these volcanoes goes off and these tsunamis, the whole board state changes. So you get new volcanic islands popping up, islands merging together, you get floods, you get all these things going on. Um, and yeah, we, we had such a great game. I remember that we basically, we were trying to get my people to safety because you can only win the solo game if you have at least some pieces left on the board at the end of the game and something was going to happen and all of my pieces were going to get wiped out. <laughs> and I was trying to find a way to move them to escape this volcano and then this other god was doing all of this other nasty stuff. It was a great game. I mean, I can't wait to play the solo game again because it was such a good experience. And having the designer there in the chart and having other people in the chart, it was, yeah, it was really good. So that is Tindaya. I think it's finished on GameFound now at the point I'm recording this video and I think it, it's funded and it's done well. If it hasn't finished, it, it's only got a few days left. Um, but yeah, first time designer. He's been working on the game for ages. It was finished like a year ago, year and a half ago. Um, I have spoken to him about one of the rules, which is the fact that on your turn you take two actions and then the next player takes two actions. Uh, and certainly from our game, we didn't feel that it, that was a necessary rule. Uh, and I think we're probably going to tweak it slightly. I've already spoken to him about it uh, and said, would the game work if you just took one action at a time? And he said, well, yes, it would. There's no problem with that. It's just sometimes some of the actions are really small that players didn't feel that they got to do very much on their turn. And personally, I'm fine with that. My issue that I had with the two actions per turn is one action could actually be a double action if you use a cylinder. And if you do the double action for movement, you actually get three sub movements and that can actually take ages. So as a, as a sort of opposite opinion to, oh, well, if you only allowed one action per turn, that action could be really short. I think the flip side of that is if you're taking two actions a turn, one action could actually be excessively long. And therefore, if you're taking two actions a turn, your actual turn could could take quite a long time so that's probably a, a tweak that i would make i hope he puts that in as a variant rule into the rule book because there's no reason why it doesn't work and he said he used to have it like that and it works absolutely fine so yeah that's probably what i'll do moving forward just because as i say when we played some people were taking a little bit too long over the turns anyway that's tindaya in the middle of the tindaya games uh, we got together for our next meeting of Charterstone. So um, me and Vicky are meeting up sort of semi-regularly with Mark and Sally, uh, and we're playing Charterstone, the physical board game. We only played one game on the 12th of February. We would normally like to get two games in at a time, uh, but we only got one game in on the 12th of February, and that was game seven. And as I've talked about Charterstone on my previous three-month video logs, my opinion is exactly the same. We're all enjoying the game. The game is better than we expected, and... Yeah, we can't really tell too much about the story because of the spoilers. Um, but for those of you who know the story, something happens to one player at the end of chapter six. That happened to me. Um, and therefore, 
yeah, my 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 game for my game for chapter seven onwards is different. Now, the, we di we did realise we'd been playing a rule wrong, and I say we realised. I have the digital app of Charterstone, and the digital app for Charterstone is fantastic. It's really, really well done. And because I was really enjoying our games of Charterstone in the physical game, I thought, I'm going to start another solo game of Charterstone on the computer. Bearing in mind, I might accidentally see some things and unlock some things that we haven't yet unlocked in the board game, because you don't unlock everything in the same order. It all depends on when you open the crates. And I was playing this game, and... The app, as I say, the app is really good and it does all of the admin for you. But at the end of each game, something popped up. And I'm like, what? What's going on? I don't remember that. Oh, maybe it's a special rule for the game. Anyway, I play another game of it and it, and it pops up again. And I was like, oh, I've done something wrong here. And I looked into it and it turns out that we'd, like, after game two, we'd missed opening a crate, which some instructions told you to do. Uh, and we'd missed putting a sticker in the book that basically says, if you win a game, you fill in a crown to say that you've won a game, and all other players gain one capacity. And we were like, OMG, that's like amazing. And none of us had been doing that. So basically, we're going to backtrack. Uh, we can't backtrack everything, but for example, we've played seven games. I've not won a single game. Now, this rule comes into effect from game two. So that's two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's six capacity that I'm owed. That's just going to be a, a game changer. So, yeah, there is a little bit of a catch-up mechanism in the game in that the player who doesn't, any player who doesn't win the game gets a capacity, which is really good, and we haven't been doing that. So, anyway, we're going to fix that for next time. Charterstone, still really enjoying it. Now, what else happened on the 12th of February? This is an interesting story, actually. So Mark and Sally, we've known for years. And I think Sally's dad has a lodger who is Chinese who has been saying, oh, you play board games, right, well, I, you know, I'll teach you how to play Mahjong. They tried learning Mahjong and they weren't really learning it well. Um, yeah, they, they didn't really understand what was going on. Now, we've got a set of Mahjong. I got a set of Mahjong for my 40th birthday. And... Mahjong is one of those games which I've all, I, I'd always wanted to learn how to play. I didn't really understand what it was about, but it looked really nice, and it was one of these old classic games that I always wanted to learn how to play. So for my 40th birthday, we got a set of Mahjong, and we've learned how to play it, and we know how to play Mahjong. It's a nice game to play. It, it's quite random, um, it, but it's, it's just nice, and we, and we enjoy it. Me and Vicky enjoy playing it. It unfortunately doesn't really work that well at two-player, um, but we used that as an opportunity. We said to Mark and Sally, well, we can teach you how to play Mahjong. So we got the set of Mahjong out on the 12th and we actually played the three games of Mahjong. It's been years since, since me and Vicky have played. Possibly even five, six, seven years. Um, it's been a long time since we played. But yeah, we played three games of Mahjong. Really enjoyed it. Next up, the 15th of February. This is Anunnaki. Now, I don't think you're going to find this video anywhere on the internet at all because I tried to find it yesterday and I couldn't. So on the 15th I joined Cranio Creations as, as, a, as a guest on their Twitch live stream and I played through Anunnaki. Anunnaki is their next big game. It's coming to Kickstarter I think at the end of April. I have a physical prototype of it. 
in the house, which I'm not allowed to post any pictures about, unfortunately. Um, but basically, they are running a series of tabletop simulator live playthroughs with various people. And I was invited on, and I joined them, and I can't find the video anymore. So the way that Twitch works um, is that the videos only stay up on Twitch for a limited amount of time, and then they disappear, which is why a lot of people download them from Twitch and then upload them to YouTube afterwards. But I can't find the video on Cranio Creations' Twitch, I can't find it on their YouTube channel. I can't find it anywhere. So unfortunately, you can't see me playing. I've got a really itchy nose today. I don't know why. You can't see me playing Anunnaki uh, with Cranio Creations, um, but that's what I did. Now, I'd already played Anunnaki once. I was invited to join them at Essenspiel last year, and I played through it. Uh, and it is a game which, again, when you look at the game, well, when I looked at the game, I formed an opinion. Okay, I looked at the game, I saw these nice miniatures, I saw these boards with hexes, and I thought, oh, oh this, this is a, this is going to be like an eight-hour super heavy conflict game, and it's not, it's not at all. It, it's still a Euro game, there is combat in there, but it is almost entirely a Euro game. The combat is resolved uh, with a series of cards, and it's actually just play some cards, play some cards, who's got the highest total? You, done. That's it. Right? There's very little actual complexity to the combat itself. It's a resource management game. It's been compared a little bit to Scythe. Um, you move around your board, you teleport around. It's got an amazing action selection system that I really enjoy. I won't say too much more about Ananaki because I'm going to be doing a playthrough of it in the next few weeks, which will be going on the channel. Um, so yeah, I've got the physical prototype. I will be filming a video for the upcoming Kickstarter campaign about it where I will be talking about it, but definitely keep an eye out for that one. Next up, uh, Marvel Champions. This is on the 16th of February. I think I found myself with some free time one evening, and I wasn't really in the mood for painting or watching telly, and I fancied playing a game online, so I just posted on my Slack channel and said, who's available for some kind of games online tonight? And Rick said he was free. We both love Marvel Champions, so we played a couple of games of Marvel Champions. We'd used Tabletop Simulator for it, uh, which I don't feel bad about, even though it's an unofficial mod, because both me and Rick have spent hundreds of pounds on Marvel Champions. We've both got the entire collection. It was just much easier uh, for us to go online and play a couple of games than him having to drive all the way here, which he wouldn't have been able to do anyway. Um, so yeah, we played a couple of games of uh, Marvel Champions. I can't even remember what we did. I think we lost. We, we played two games against the same villain, and we lost. And I think I was playing... What was I playing? I was playing Scarlet Witch. That's it. And I've never played Scarlet Witch. And it's really interesting how it works. I love Marvel Champions. It's just a game I don't get to play anywhere near as much uh, as I would want. Uh, and it's a shame that Asmodee and FFG don't really support the game much in the UK. Oh, those two games of Marvel Champions, by the way, they were streamed to patron supporters. So if you're a patron supporter of mine and you want to see me and Rick play Marvel Champions using Tabletop Simulator, you can. Um, you have to join the Slack channel in order to get these links. Because, uh, uh, yeah, all of the behind-the-scenes videos get posted to the Slack channel at the time. If you're not a member of the Slack channel and you are a patron supporter, please let me know, because we can get you on the Slack channel and you can see all of this extra, extra stuff. Next up, 17th of February and the 18th of February. I played, on the 17th of February, Siege of Rundar and Furnace. And on the 18th of February, I played Siege of Rundar and Furnace. Now... Neither of these were sponsored videos, so I can give you my total, full, honest opinion. Why did I play it on both days? It's because on the 18th, I was doing a live playthrough. So they are on the channel now. If you want to see a, a live tutorial and playthrough for Siege of Rundar, 
and the live tutorial and playthrough for Furnace. They are both on the channel now, but even though they weren't sponsored, I wanted to spend the time learning the game, uh, practicing the game, practicing how to teach the game, etc, etc. So, it was the Rock Beer Games Club on the Thursday night, and I basically posted and said, Hello everybody, I've got two games that I'm covering on the channel tomorrow, which I need to learn how to play tonight. And that's what I did. So I basically spent the Thursday afternoon learning how to play both games, reading the rule books, having a bit of a practice myself, took both games to the games club and played them on the Thursday night, and then on the Friday I, I covered them both on the channel. So, first of all, Siege of Rundar. So I took a look at the game at Essenspiel. The publisher unfortunately didn't have any spare copies of it uh, to give it away to reviewers because it was selling really well, which is great, but they said to contact them afterwards and they'd send me a copy. Now, months later, when they did another print run, I did manage to get a copy. This is a game which went on my radar because, well, a couple of reasons. First of all, it's Reiner Knizia. Now, I'm not saying Reiner Knizia, every, every game of his is brilliant, but the fact that his name was on the game made me have a look at it, because when you look at the game, this doesn't look like the kind of game that Reiner Knizia would design. This is a cooperative uh, game where you are basically taken on the role of some dwarves in this fortress, and it's being attacked by orcs, and you're thinking, what? This isn't a Reiner Knizia game. So straight away I was interested. Also, I think from what I'd heard about it, this would be a family weight cooperative game. And whilst that isn't in my wheelhouse of games that I, you know, crunchy Euros, I think there is a place for uh, family weight cooperative games. And I really enjoy them if they are good games. So I wanted to try it. Now, I did enjoy it. The game is pretty much as described. It is family weight. There are definitely some decisions to make. There are dice in the game, though. So, I mean, I didn't mind the dice in the game. A lot of people during the stream and before and afterwards had said, oh, what this game needs is some dice mitigation. And I'm a Euro game player, so I love dice mitigation in games, but I didn't feel that this game actually needed any. You're rolling a lot of dice, and dice mitigation would have actually just slowed it down, as it were. Um... And yeah, if dice mitigation is just, oh, you can re-roll one dice now and again, that, nah, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. So yeah, I thought it worked fine. It was a light to medium. It did have quite a high random element, um, but it was quite challenging and it was quite, yeah, I, I enjoyed it and I definitely want to play it again. And we've played, I've played it twice now on the easiest difficulty setting and haven't come close to, to winning. Well, I say haven't come close. No, I don't think we got that close. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely play it again. And you can play it solo as well. Maybe I'll do a solo game of it at some point. Moving on to Furnace. Furnace is an interesting game because Furnace has actually been released uh, a while ago. Original publisher, I think, was Hobby World. Arcane Wonders have printed the official uh, English version of the game, but I think there were English versions of the previous, uh, previous edition. And Furnace is a game which so many people have been saying, this game is fantastic, this game is amazing. And there are other people saying, it's really boring, it does nothing new. Now, there is a part of Furnace which isn't anything new. There is a big part of Furnace which is resource conversion, getting cards that convert X into Y, and then Y back into X or Y into Z, and then do this and do that and get money. And the whole objective of the game is to get money. And yes, you are building up a chain of cards which convert one resource into another, and that's what the main of the game is about. But the bidding mechanism is, is very, very clever and very interesting because each card that you bid on, the winner of the bid gets the card, but everybody else who doesn't win the bid gets to perform a number of secondary actions equal to their bid. So if you put a bid of four on a card and I go on with a bid of three, 
you get the card, but I get to do three secondary actions of that card. And sometimes they're the ones you want. Sometimes if there was a card where the secondary action is gain two coal, and I need coal desperately, you'll go on it with a four, and I'll be like, thank you very much, I'll go on there with a three. And now I get six coal. Brilliant. I didn't, I didn't want the card. So the bidding mechanism is clever. The reason I like Furnace is it's like a 45-minute game. It actually packs quite a lot of punch into a 45-minute game. Now, for me, a 45-minute game is not a filler. Fillers, for me, are 15, 20 minutes. Okay, so it's not a filler game as far as I'm concerned. It's a short game, and it's a good short game. And if I ever have an hour free at the end of the night, Furnace is definitely one of those games that I would suggest... Uh, and recommend. So yeah, really, really enjoyed it. What's next? Moving on. 20th of February, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, uh, The Blue Box. We have two cases left. After that night, we now only have one case left. We did case number six. Now, there are ten cases in the box, but in that particular box, cases eight, nine, and ten are the Queen's Park Affair, which we've already done. Uh, so we're actually working through cases one to seven, and we did case six, which means we only have one case left, and that is it. We then have no more. Now, as I've mentioned many, many times for the last 30 years, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, brilliant game, absolutely love it. The Blue Box does have some issues with the translation. Um, in this particular case, the mistranslations were, like some of the other ones, they weren't breaking the game, they were just a little bit humorous. People's really really unusual words used at various times and the odd typo was was a bit disappointing but as far as the case goes it didn't distract us from the case the case was a tough one now i remember when we did case five and we did it in about an hour and a half and we got most of the questions right and it was like oh well, this, this one felt for us quite easy case six was hard it was really tough now it wasn't too tough because when we went to the questions we did get I think at least half of them right, um, and I think we still scored reasonably well, I can't quite remember, but we went to, maybe we didn't score reasonably well, it doesn't matter, it was fantastic, loved it, and whilst we went to a lot of places, we spent a long time, and two-thirds of the way through we were like, oh well it could be this, but what about that, and what about this, and we really didn't know. Um, but yeah, really, really good case, very interesting case, obviously can't say too much about it, because of spoilers. And apologies if you hear any clattering noises in the background, but the bin men have just arrived to take all of the, uh, the recycling away. So that's what that noise is, if you can hear it. Right, moving on. Crescent Moon on the 23rd of February. Now, Crescent Moon is a game that is coming out in May for Mossbray Games. I have a, a, a physical copy of it. It's not a prototype. It is a production copy of it. And I am going to be doing a video for them uh, at some point later this month. So it is a game which I need to learn. So on the 23rd of February, I got together with a few Patreon supporters and we played it over Tabletop Simulator. That is on the channel now as a private stream. So if you're a Patreon supporter, you can watch that if you want to. But to be honest, I would actually, if you haven't seen it already, I would wait until I actually do the proper playthrough video, which will be coming soon. Now I'm going to talk about Crescent Moon later uh, in this video log, so I'll skip past it for now. And we'll move on to Earth. So this is the 24th of February. So Earth is a game that's coming out, uh, I think it's, it's on Kickstarter right now at the time I'm filming this video. By the time this video goes out and is edited and goes live, there's probably like one day left on the campaign. It's got 8,000 backers. 
Earth is from a publisher called Inside Up Games, who I've got to know over the last couple of years. It's run by Conor McGuey, who's a great guy, and we get on really well. Uh, and we've not really worked professionally together, but we have talked about it a little bit. And then I saw this game called Earth, and Earth popped up um, because a number of other content creators were, were, were covering it. And I looked at it, and I said to Connor, I said, look, you've got all of this great coverage of the game from a lot of these big influential channels. You've got nobody from the UK. Do, do, do you want me to do a, chat, do a video for you? And he said, yeah. And, I, and I, did, I did have a look at the game, and I thought, okay, this game looks a bit interesting. Um, and my Patreon supporters said it looked interesting. So I basically said to Connor, look, do you want me to do a live playthrough on the show? Something very light touch where you basically come on the stream with me and you teach me and a few other people how to play the game. And he was well up for that. Uh, so me, Mike from Ready Steady Play, uh, and Dan from the Detective Society, we got together with Connor and we did a live playthrough. It is on the channel now if you want to see it. It was using Tabletop Simulator, as Connor wasn't able to get me uh, a physical copy of the game uh, because of a polar bear. That's his excuse anyway. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to tell you a story and you can judge whether I liked the game based on that story. Straight after we'd done that playthrough of the game, I said to Connor, would you be interested in an official, proper, full-on, how-to-play video for the game when it's released? And he said yes. So we've announced it this week that I will be doing the official how-to-play video for the game. It will come out probably the very, very end of this year, or maybe even the start of next year. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, that's how much I like the game. It was just an absolutely solid game. It had parts of um, Terraforming Mars in it, sort of similar, and a lot of people have said little bits from Wingspan. Now, I've still not played Wingspan, um, and the designer and the publisher have accepted that. Yes, it's a bit like Terraforming Mars. Yes, it's a bit like Wingspan, but it worked well. It was really good. Loads and loads of unique cards. The gameplay, I thought, was super smooth super quick and it was just a solid game so yeah really really enjoyed it to the point where as i say i i approached connor and i said do you want me to do a how to play video now if you're watching this video and you think paul that's a little bit mercenary of you to to start approaching people and offering your professional services let me just let you into it i i'm not i'm not the kind of person who does everything possible he can to make money right? I'm not constantly approaching people and offering them to do work for them. I don't do that. That's not me. I'm fairly picky and I'm fairly choosy about what games I want to cover on the channel. So the fact that I approached him and I offered to do a how to play video for the game, that's because I thought the game was really good and I'd love to do a how to play video for it. Um, it was a combination of, it was a good game, uh, the graphic design of the game was really good and everything was very clear. Connor's a great guy and I've been wanting to work with him for years. Um, it was those those factors combined. Anyway, yeah, Earth, if you haven't seen it, have a look at it on Kickstarter right now. Because as I say, it's doing really well and it looks like a very solid game. Well, it is a very solid game because I've played it. Next up, on the 25th of February, a game that I have been putting off playing for four months finally got covered on the channel. This is Bitoku. Bitoku was going into Essenspiel 2021, the number one rated game on the geek list of most anticipated games from Essen. Right? Bitoku is from Devere Games, and Devere could do some really good quality stuff, but they don't do super heavy Euros. 
neither does the designer. But this game looked fantastic and was super heavy and yeah. Why have I been putting off playing it? So since Essen I've been slowly going through all of the games that I got to cover them on the channel and Bitoku was one of those ones that was quite heavy and a lot of people a lot of people have said to me that the rulebook really isn't good and therefore I knew that the amount of work and preparation that I would need to do before covering it on the channel bearing in mind that it's not a sponsored video um, so I'm not being paid for for all of the preparation work that I do to cover it on the channel that's why I kept putting it off and I think I think I'm right in, in that I was, I was putting it off because of those reasons, but having now read the rulebook and having now played the game, something just gelled with me in that game. Okay, the rulebook isn't the best rulebook, and there are definite errors in the rulebook. There are actual problems with it, there are things as referred to one thing and then referred to as something else, the structure's all over the place, and there are some actual errors in it, right? But putting that aside, I loved the game. I thought Bitoku was fantastic. It's definitely going to appear in my top games of last year. Uh, whether it's going to overtake Ark Nova, I don't know. Because Ark Nova is fantastic, but Bitoku is also really good. Now, the live playthrough is on the channel now. If you want to see it, it is on the channel. But I absolutely wanted to play it again straight away. Uh, it was just fantastic. Now, the theme of Bitoku makes zero difference to me whatsoever. And a few people have said to me, oh, maybe I'd enjoy the game more if I understood the theme. It is based on uh, Japanese, and I don't want to use the wrong words here, so I'm really, really sorry, um, but it's all Studio Ghibli style artwork and Japanese folklore and culture. I don't know anything about that. I have no knowledge of that kind of area of the, of, of, of the hobby or the, or the anime style or the stories. I have, don't know anything about it whatsoever. It made no difference to me. I was totally able to enjoy the game as a purely mechanical game because, to be honest, I think that's what it is. I don't feel there is that much theme in there. Now, that's coming at it from a, somebody who doesn't understand much about the theme. But for me, I was just playing a Euro game. The theme could have been anything. I enjoyed the game. I thought the game was great. I've just said it. it's one of my favourite games of last year. Was there any theme in the game? I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe there was the whole moving dice to cross the river. Maybe that's something to do with the uh, the animation or, or the, the theme that I don't know about. The fact that there's dragonflies rescuing spirit, whatever. I'm, I'm getting token X, I'm getting token Y, I'm putting them together and I'm getting a bonus. That's what I'm doing. Um, the board is very busy, the artwork is very busy, but it looks gorgeous. And Devere have done a fantastic job with the production. So yeah, Bitoku, I absolutely loved it. Uh, and as I say, I, I, yeah. But I, after I'd played it, I was like, why, why, was it, why was I putting this game off? I could have been playing this game four months ago. I've just had a lot on my plate uh, and I never got around to it. Anyway, Bitoku, really good. Next, also on the same day. So Bitoku was in the afternoon. Um, so effectively, I, I took the day off work. And, it, you know, I don't say this enough although I probably do say it a lot, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters because, and if you're watching this video log and you are one of my Patreon supporters, you, you will know this, but if you're not one of my Patreon supporters, then what does the Patreon support do is it gives me the financial flexibility to take time off work to produce more content. So the 25th of February, for example, I took the day off work. I earned zero money that day. 
And I'm only able to do that because of the support of the Patreon campaign. So we played Bitoku all afternoon, and then in the evening we played Unfathomable. So yeah, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. We'll talk about you more later on, but that's why I'm able to do these playthroughs during the days um, by taking the time off work. So in the evening we played Unfathomable. Unfathomable. It's such a hard word to pronounce. I don't know why. Anyway, for those people who don't know, Unfathomable, there you go, um, is basically a remake of Battlestar Galactica, but set in the Cthulhu universe. So the theme of the game is that you're on this um, cruise ship crossing the Atlantic in like 1912, 1920s, something like that. Um, and it gets attacked by all these Cthulhu griblies and people on board are having strange visions and some of them are cultists or hybrids or whatever. It's basically a remake of Battlestar Galactica, but rethemed and retweaked. Now, Battlestar Galactica is one of those games, it's a social deduction game where one or two players, depending on the player count, might be Cylons, and it's exactly the same in this, except substitute hybrids for Cylons. But it's a more streamlined version of Battlestar Galactica that plays in less time. Or so we thought. Four hours later, we finished our game. What a game. I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. It was five players. It went on for about four hours. Arthur had to drive home to Western Supermare afterwards, which is an hour away, and he didn't leave here till midnight. But what a game. It was... And I don't want to spoil too much for you. If you are interested in watching a five-player playthrough of Unfathomable, it's on the channel now. Just go back a couple of weeks, and it is on there. But yeah... It was, it was great. I absolutely loved the game. And I was kind of hoping in a way that I'd play it and go, right, I've played it now. That's it. I'm done. I can move the game on. But unfortunately, <laughs> I say unfortunately, I really enjoyed it, which means I want to play it again. And it was just really, really good. So yeah, unfathomable. Live playthrough on the channel. I won't spoil what happened because it's worth watching. Next up. 1st of March, Aeon's End Digital. So, Aeon's End, amazing game. I absolutely love Aeon's End. Want to cover it more, want to play it more. Absolutely love the game. The digital version is fantastic. And the digital version they just released, well, relatively recently, uh, The New Age, which is actually an expansion that I don't have the physical game of, but I've now got the digital version. So what I did is I did a couple of games of Aeon's End Digital, which were streamed. They're on the channel now. They're a public stream if you want to if you want to see them. It was two three-player games. So Paul Snuggs joined me for the first game. Then Paul had to disappear and Willem joined me for the second game. So we're playing through the New Age campaign, which is a chapter-based series of games. There's a bit of a storyline connecting it together and your character gets like a treasure card and it improves between games. But yeah, Aeon's End is fantastic and the digital implementation is really good. So if you want to see those games, they are on the channel now. Uh, 2nd of March, Maracaibo Uprising. Yeah, now, <laughs> where to start? I love Maracaibo. Maracaibo is probably my top 10 games of all time. I love the solo game of Maracaibo and I love the expansion because the expansion gives so many new things different ways to play the game, different scenarios, different legacy tiles, just so much stuff in there. And it, whilst it might not have appeared when I first got the expansion, I was like, ah, oh, there's not much stuff in here. Actually, there is quite a lot of extra expansion stuff and variability. 
absolutely loved it. It's on the channel now if you want to go and watch it, but I made two fairly major rules mistakes and I'm kicking myself because I've played Maracaibo so many times and I've played the digital app so many times and yet I started with 20 money. I mean, it's not my fault. I should blame the people watching live because not a single person said, um, Paul, why are you starting with 20 money? You should start with eight. So yeah, it's not my fault. It's, it's, it's your fault. No, good, just kidding. Um, for some reason, yeah, I had 20 money in my head as what you start with and I still don't understand why I started with 20 money. I was obviously getting all my games confused. Um, so you're only supposed to start with eight money and I started with 20. The other thing that I got wrong, and this is another quite big thing, is that Jacques who is the AI opponent, Jacques takes their turn after your turn. So if you end the round, Jacques will start the next round. That's not what I did. What I did is I always took the first turn in every round. So in fact, in that game, I, I was the one that ended the round every round, which meant Jacques should have started the next round. But as it is, I actually started the next round. So I had way more turns than I should have done. Uh, so when I added up the points at the end and won, I don't think I should have won. So yeah, apologies for that. It was a brilliant game. I loved it and I want to play again. It's Solo, Solo Maracaibo is one of those games that I could just play non-stop all day. Maybe I should at one point. Um, yeah, Maracaibo is fantastic. Right, on the 4th of March, which is the Friday just gone, again, it was another Patreon-funded day off work. I say a day off work, I worked harder on Friday than I probably did on the Thursday doing the rulebook and the actual video editing. The live streams, what you see is you see a live stream of me playing games with friends and enjoying myself. It's a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of preparation uh, and it's quite, it's quite draining to do. I'm not complaining. I love doing it. And thank you very much to everybody for watching the videos and giving me the op opportunity to do this. But by the end of the day, I was an absolute wreck. We did three live streams during the day. None of these were sponsored. We did Tapestry, Brian Boru, The King is Dead. Now, we'd already planned to do Tapestry and Brian Boru. That was the plan. We did Tapestry in the afternoon. We did a four-player game of Tapestry. Now, I've never done a four-player game of Tapestry physically. I've only ever played it solo and two-player. I have played it four-player using Board Game Arena, um, but I've never played it four-player. I was worried it was going to take a long time, and Peter, one of the players, had to go at five o'clock. So we, we said we were going to start at one o'clock. We normally start the streams at two, uh, in the afternoon, but we decided to start it at one o'clock. We were done within two and a half hours, two, two and three quarter hours. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that a longer game at all. So my thoughts on Tapestry are I love the game. I think it's a great game. I really, really enjoy the game. I want to play it a ton more. Yes, the, it can be swingy. Yes, there are random elements to it. That's part of the game. And I, and I get that. And if you're a pure Euro game player that, that just wants everything to be finely balanced, Tapestry might not be for you. There's a lot of it which is balanced, but then the tapestry cards, there can be ones that are just really good, there can be the ones that are not good, uh, very situational, who knows. But yeah, certainly the game we played, uh, Peter played Renaissance at the start of his second age, and a lot of people have said to me afterwards that that card is way too powerful, especially when played at that time. Now, Peter did win by over 100 points, <laughs> um, but he, play, he played well. And I, I know that I didn't play too well. But yeah, great game. Really enjoy it. We played with both expansions. So there's so much to explore in this game. I, this is why I want to play it. Tapestry is the game that I want to play probably, to be honest, 30, 40 times. 
and I've played it maybe five times, I don't feel that I have explored this game anywhere near enough as what I want to. In the evening, we played Brian Borrow. Now, Brian Borrow has been covered by many, many other channels. I'm a little bit late to the party with this one um, because a lot of the big channels have been talking about this game and have reviewed this game uh, and have said it's fantastic. Osprey Games sent me a copy of the game. Uh, they are a client of mine. I do a lot of work with them for some of their other games. I had no involvement with this game at all. It was a review copy of the game, but it wasn't a sponsored video. I've not done any work on the game. I didn't do the rulebook or anything like that. And we played it on Friday. In fact, we played a game of it be between Tapestry and the evening stream of Brian Borrow. We played a three-player game. So me, Arthur and Dan played a three-player game of it downstairs. And then Rob joined us for the evening and we did a four-player game, which was live streamed. So if you want to see a four-player game uh, of Brian Borrow, or Brian Boru, I think it's pronounced, um, then that is on the channel now. We all enjoyed it. It's a, it's a great game. I'm not a big fan of the artwork, I will be honest with you. And the rulebook does have a couple of issues in there where there is some ambiguity and there's definitely one thing that's really not clear uh, but as a game it's an absolutely solid game it's a really good game really interesting trick taking sort of um the the winner of the trick with the winner of the trick will be the one that gets to build the town but similar in a way to furnace is sometimes you don't want to win the trick and sometimes you want to get the secondary effect of your card it's really really good really recommend it um we played it, I've played it three player and I've played it four player. I've not played it five. My one query about the game, and this is a question if you're watching this video and you have played the game, both of our games ended with the player who got the marriage on the final round spurning the Princess of Denmark and getting the four points. And the reason for that is almost all of the time we were, to, we were fighting off the Vikings. Uh, so there wasn't many Vikings in the game at the end of the game. So the final marriage of the game is to the Princess of Denmark. And when you marry her, you can either spurn her and get four points, or you can make her trading alliance or a military alliance. And if you do that, basically the Viking controlled towns on the board are counted as yours. Well, we didn't have any. Well, I think, I think we had one in the second game, but it, it, it wouldn't have made any difference whatsoever. So I'm just curious, if you've played Brian Baru, uh, how did your game go? How many Viking towns did you have on the board at the end of the game? Because we had hardly any. As I say, in the, in the three-player game we had none, and in the four-player game we had one, and that was it. Anyway, we finished that early. It was only like 9.30. Well, I'm not going to send people home at 9.30, especially Rob when he's only just turned up. So we decided to play another game, and this was very, very impromptu, but I went into the other room and I dug out about five games and I said, look, all of these five games are really good and will take us about an hour. Which one do you want to play? And a five minute discussion later, we picked The King is Dead. So we did a live stream of The King is Dead, which is on the channel now, but I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't have live streamed it because we, we, <laughs> we made some rules mistakes. And again, this is the difference between me planning and preparing for something and me doing something impromptu. So we started playing it, four players. Now, I've never played The King is Dead four players. I've only ever played it with three players. So I didn't realise that the four-player game of The King is Dead must be played in teams. So we were like three rounds into the game when somebody in the chat said, um, the four-player game must be played in teams. And I thought, I wonder what they mean by must. Do they mean that there is a four-player team version and as far as they're concerned, that should be the way you play it because it's better? 
or are they actually using the word must correctly in that the four-player game is a team game? So we looked it up and we're like, oh yeah, it should be a team game. So by on round four, we quickly switched to the team game. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've covered this game on the channel before properly with a proper playthrough. Um, this one was very, very, very impromptu and uh, yeah, it worked. It's a great game. It's a really good game. It's very, very interesting and it's very, very clever in how that it works. Uh, and I won't spoil the game if you did want to watch it, but it was a, an interesting twist at the end. Right, that I believe is it. That's that's all of the physical board games that I've played. I have been playing some other games in the last month using Board Game Arena. So I've played um, two games of Tapestry in the last month on Board Game Arena, and I'm currently in another one right now. Again, love Tapestry, can't get enough of it. Uh, I've also played um, El Grande. So El Grande, an absolute classic area control game, haven't played it in a very, very long time, but my patron supporters organised a game of it on Board Game Arena, uh, and I joined up. Um, I don't think I won. No, I didn't win, but I think I did quite well, considering I was pretty much remembering the rules of the game as I went. Um, but yeah, El Grande, if you've never played El Grande, it is available on Board Game Arena. It is... If we're talking about games from 20-plus years ago that have stood the test of time, El Grande is still as good now as it was then. Okay. Now, a lot of games these days throw, have to throw extra stuff at it, or miniatures, or bling, or fancy stuff. Right, El Grande, none of that. El Grande is absolute pure Euro from a long time ago, 1996, I think it was, or something. Um, but it is brilliant, and it's still good now as it was then. Um, other things that I've been doing, Gloomhaven Digital. So, I've been playing a bit of Gloomhaven Digital, and some of it was live-streamed on the, on the channel, if you're interested in watching it. Um, but I classed this as... I actually logged it on BGG as I played Gloomhaven. Now, I don't normally do that when I play Gloomhaven Digital in Guildmaster mode, but when I'm playing Gloomhaven Digital in campaign mode, it is the same as playing the physical game. Like the game of El Grande that I played on Board Game Arena. I've logged that on BGG because I played a game of El Grande. The fact that it was using a digital implementation of the game, for me, doesn't matter. And that's why Gloomhaven Digital, I've logged out as well. Gloomhaven Digital, I've spoken about this loads. If you haven't got it yet and you're interested in playing digital adaptations of board games, Gloomhaven Digital is one of the best out there. Uh, it is so good. It is so well done. It is a joy to play. Um, and it does all of the admin for you. And I just love it. And they have recently announced that Jaws of the Lion DLC is being worked on. Um, what else? Charterstone Digital. I mentioned that I've played a whole bunch of games on Charterstone Digital, but I got to the point where I was revealing stuff. I was revealing stuff in the digital version that we haven't yet got to in the physical board game version, so I, I've stopped playing. Now, I've just noticed there's a few things on my list that I've missed out. There's a couple of games in my list that I've missed out, so I need to go back to my BGG list and update it, because I went to a games day at the end of February. Yeah, it's not on my list. So let's just add it in there quickly. I went to a games day uh, hosted by Mark and Sally at the Rock Beer Games Group, uh, which is part of, it's the, it's the Cranbrook Games Group, but it's actually held in Rock Beer. Uh, and I played a five player game of Crescent Moon because I said I was going to talk about it later and then, and then I didn't talk about it. Um, so Crescent Moon, as I mentioned, I'm going to be covering Crescent Moon on the channel. So I've started writing a script on how to teach the game. And I used that Sunday as an opportunity to teach the game. Osprey Games have wanted me to do a five-player playthrough of the game. So I managed to get four other players together and we played Crescent Moon. 
Now, Crescent Moon is an asymmetric game with an area control element, uh, and it's very interesting. Now, that game was very much a learning game for a lot of us. Although I played it once before, I still felt that it was a learning game for me. Although I knew the rules of the game, I still didn't know how it played out. Uh, and it is fascinating to see how the game plays out and how the five different factions, they're very asymmetric in the way that they work. Um, and yeah, the game will be covered on the channel again. My only concern was the game took us a long time. Now, a lot of that was learning the game. And a lot of that was me sort of uh, trying to explain things and having to look a couple of things up. But yeah, for a game in which is only three years and you only get, you get four turns per year, you're only taking 12 turns each. I mean, we weren't in a rush. That's the advantage with these games days is that you can go there and you're not really in a rush to play. But yeah, the playtime was something that concerned me a little bit, um, but we were taking our time. In the afternoon, I played Batman Gotham City Chronicles. Now, for those of you who don't know, I've been working on the new rulebook for Batman Gotham City Chronicles for the last year and a half, two years, maybe, I don't know. But I've never really had the opportunity to properly teach other people or even play the game. Now, Monolith have asked me to create a playthrough video for the game, for the upcoming Kickstarter campaign, which I've got planned for later this month. But of course, in order to plan for that, I, in order to prepare for that, I need to get the game out and I need to play it. And I've spent the last year painting the miniatures for this game. I've still got loads more to do. I'm not even 50% of the way through. But it was really good to actually finally get the game to the table and see how it plays out. Because no matter how much time I have spent working on the rulebook for this game, actually putting those rules into practice was like, uh, I was in a bit of a panic beforehand. I was like, hang on a minute, I've got this like 3,000 page rulebook. It's not 3,000 pages, but huge amount of rules that we've spent two years working on. Hundreds of hours of time has gone into it. And now I'm actually going, how do you shoot somebody? Um, 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 I don't know. Um, but it all came together and it was a lot of fun. So yeah, there'll be, there'll be more content for that coming to the channel soon. I think that is all of the games that I've been playing. In terms of other content that has been on the channel, I have done um, unboxing videos for uh, the Australia, um, Big Box for Australia. I've done an unboxing video for that. I'll be covering that on the channel. I did a Crescent Moon unboxing video as well. There was a live Q&A on the channel, which was enjoyable as always and other stuff which will be coming very soon. I say very soon, it's not up to me. Um, and that is the Perseverance videos. So I have been working hard behind the scenes on the Perseverance how to play videos. Both of them come in at 35 minutes long uh, and it's been about 85 hours of work in total over the last few weeks to get them done. They are now, as of Friday, they are both finished. Now they're not on the channel yet for two reasons. First of all, Osprey Games has to uh, check them and make sure that they're okay from, not Osprey games, Mind Clash games. Mind Clash games have to check them uh, and make sure that the videos are correct and accurate. I think they are. Um, we, we will see. But they've got to give their final approval and they are the ones who are going to be giving me the permission to make the videos live. Uh, as long as those videos are made live when backers start to get their copies, that's when they're going to be made live. But it, it's up to Mind Clash. If you're a patron supporter, you have got access to the videos on the Slack channel. I have posted them. Uh, please don't share those links anywhere. That is your exclusive sneak peek at the video uh, as a thank you for being a patron supporter. But they will be made live to the public when Mind Clash Games let me know. Or maybe even Osprey Games will let me know. Who knows? Right, just had a short break for lunch. 
let's get on with the rest of the vlog. So next up is Patreon update. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier on, um, I'm taking quite a few days off now in order to produce more content for the channel. So like last Friday and the Friday before that and today has been basically a, a day off work. I'm not getting paid uh, for any work that I'm doing on those three days, but I am producing content for the channel and that's what the Patreon support is for. So your Patreon support gives me the financial flexibility to basically take time away from the paid work in order to produce this content. This is still work, it's still hard work to, to do these things and it still requires a lot of planning and editing and, and everything else, but you know, that, that's what it's for. Uh, every month I say a big thank you to all of the Patreon supporters that have joined me. So on screen now is a list of all of the new supporters for February. Uh, February was another relatively good month. I think we had 30 new people joining. Uh, what I don't have on screen, obviously, as normal, is I don't show a list of all of the people that have left. But one thing that I did want to mention is about the numbers. And some people have been a little bit confused and have contacted me and said, Paul, you're, you're, you're saying that you're fully transparent with these numbers, but the numbers aren't quite adding up. Um, and that is because in December I did this countdown to 800 where we tried to get to 800 patron supporters. We got to 800 patron supporters in January, but then it dipped back down again. And then we did it in February and then it dipped back down again again. And it's this constant cycle. And the thing is, although I publish the numbers of how many new supporters we've had in a month and how many people cancelled their support, what you don't see and what I don't see is the number of people who... Patreon just drops off the list and I think this is down to the people who um, pay their regular monthly subscription through like a credit card and that card expires. What happens is those people so often don't get notified by Patreon but sometimes they just say oh I'll tell you what I, I won't bother renewing it. Now the way that Patreon handles that it doesn't treat that person as left it, treat, it's, it treats them as still an active supporter but one that is in the decline status. So every month when I say we've had 30 new people and we've had 15 people leave, what you don't see is that we also actually lose about 15 to 20 people just in this natural state. Um, so the numbers are actually, the numbers are increasing, which is great. Big thank you to everybody for that. Uh, but the numbers are not increasing um, as, as you might think they do. So last month, for example, we got 30 new people. We had 14 people leave, but the actual number of supporters only went up by five. And that's because about 10 people just just disappeared off. And that list earlier on was just the people who started supporting me in February. So if you are a recent patron supporter of mine, i.e. you've started supporting me in the month of March, then your name will appear on next month's list. Now then, moving on to the contest. So last month's contest was for a copy of Cocapelli. Uh, and I did the draw and I'm pleased to say that Darren Tanner won the draw. Uh, so congratulations, Darren. Now I've contacted you and since then, I have been unsuccessful in attempting to find my spare copy of Cocapelli. Hours have been spent, the house has been searched, and I wasn't able to find it anywhere. Thankfully, I do have a few other games to give away, and Darren selected Hansa Teutonica. So I did have a spare copy of Hansa Teutonica still in shrink, uh, and that has been sent to Darren. So congratulations, Darren. Thank you very much for your support. This month's contest is for Undaunted Normandy and Undaunted North Africa. Now, these were sent to me accidentally by Osprey Games. It's a little bit of a funny story, um, but Osprey Games were supposed to be sending me a copy of Undaunted Reinforcements in order for me to start creating content for it and everything else. And then I got a package in the post from Osprey Games and I opened it up and it wasn't Undaunted Reinforcements, it was Undaunted Normandy and Undaunted North Africa. 
and I contacted them and I said to them, um, you've accidentally sent me the wrong things. And they went, oh yeah, it looks like this person ordered, anyway, whatever. And they, I said, well, what should I do with them? Do you want me to send them back? And they said, no, just use them for a future giveaway. So there we go. Thank you very much to Osprey Games for supporting the channel by accidentally sending me some product to give away. Um, so you can win a copy of both Undaunted Normandy and Undaunted North Africa. What do you need to do to enter? Nothing, absolutely nothing. If you are a patron supporter of mine, at producer level or higher, you automatically get entered into the draw. So you don't need to do anything. If you are a supporter of mine at a lower level, or if you're not a supporter of mine, then you do need to be a supporter of mine at producer level, level or higher in order to be uh, in with a chance of winning the contest. And I will do the draw at the start of next month. Yes, right, okay. So that's it, that's for the Patreon update. Um, yeah, big thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters for funding what I do and making this channel possible. Right, moving on. Things that I've got planned for the next few weeks. As always, I'm very excited about a lot of these. Um, so I, as I mentioned earlier on, I'll be doing videos this month for Crescent Moon. I'm, I'm planning a five player playthrough. We haven't got a specific date yet, uh, but that's gonna be happening. That'll be on the channel at some point. Then I'm gonna be doing Anunnaki, either a three or a four player game with the physical prototype. Uh, I don't know exactly when that's gonna be happening, but that will be happening. Um, I'm also going to be doing any final touches of the Perseverance video, but as far as I'm concerned, they are done, and I'm just waiting for uh, Mind Clash Games or Osprey Games, whoever wants to approve those videos. Uh, any, any publisher that wants to approve them, feel free. Um, I was supposed to be doing some Endless Winter videos this month, but that's been delayed uh, back because the production has been delayed. So I'm actually going to be doing that uh, later in the year. Um, what else am I going to be doing this month? There's going to be all sorts of other playthroughs, but they're, they're the ones. Now, tonight, very excited about tonight, I'm going to be doing the Bureau of Investigation. I say tonight, you're not probably going to see this video until Tuesday or Wednesday. So uh, by the time you see this video, it will have already been on the channel. Bureau of Investigation is the latest box set in the Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective series. And it's got an Arkham theme, so it isn't Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. It isn't Sherlock Holmes, but it is a game very strongly based on Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Um, yeah, this is the demo case that they've sent me. I'm going to be doing a video on that. So if you want to see the demo of that being played out, it's happening tonight. But as I say, by the time you watch this video, it will be already on the channel. I'm also doing a Route East playthrough tomorrow. Their Kickstarter is going live tomorrow. So again, that will already be on the channel. Then on Friday, I am planning a two-player game of Polis again. Polis was a game that I covered on the channel a couple of months ago. Really enjoyed it and want to play it again. So that's happening this coming Friday. Rulebook-wise, Batman is very, very close. ISS Vanguard is still in progress. The cards are done. The ship book is done. Uh, but the graphic designers, the layout people are working on the new rulebook. So uh, I'm waiting for that to arrive. Um, and other things that are going on. So a couple of people have mentioned that I, I need some proper glasses. And yes, these are £1.50 reading glasses, which means I need them for reading, but then I don't need them for, for distance, um, which is why I'm having to keep taking them off, off and on again. I have been meaning to get my eyes tested for about three years, and I just keep putting it off and off. I have finally been and had my eyes tested. The results weren't as expected. Um, they're now at the stage where I, I basically now need to buy a pair of glasses. Um, we did take this Monday off. We had a day off on Monday, uh, well, last Monday, went into, into town, did a whole bunch of jobs and did a whole load of stuff. Uh, and one of the things we looked at was glasses for me. But yeah, 
I didn't come away with a pair of glasses and that has now unfortunately gone onto the list of things to do. Um, yeah, we'll, we will see. Other things that I've been doing, we've finished watching Breaking Bad. Uh, we have now completed all five seasons of Breaking Bad. Fantastic. One of the best TV series I've ever seen, if not the best. I mean, it was really, really good, but it's hard to... It's hard to classify it in with a lot of the other ones. Um, but yeah, it's exceptionally good. Um, and yeah, I've been doing some more paintings. I've been doing more painting of some more Batman miniatures. Um, I'll put some photos on screen now. I don't seem to have accomplished very much in the last month as far as painting goes, which is a little disappointing. I remember doing this video log last month um, where I think I had a lot more painting to show for, for, for the time that I'd put into it. Don't really have very much this month. But anyway more painting to come. Other than that, I think that is pretty much everything. I feel that I've rambled quite a lot um, in this video, like more than I do normally. Um, but a big thank you to everybody who's watching this. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask if you've got any comments on any of the games that I've covered, whether I've talked about your favourite games or you didn't like any of the games that I've talked about, um, please let me know. Uh, leave me comments on the video and let me know uh, either way. But also I'm going to start a thread on my BGG guild. So there is a guild on Board Game Geek for gaming rules. If you're not a member, it's guild number 2258. Click on the description. Um, I'm going to put a link in the description of this video to it. What you need to do, when you, when you click on the link, you join the guild, but you also need to subscribe to the guild. If you don't subscribe, you won't see any notifications from it. Don't worry, it's not a very busy guild, so you're not going to get bombarded with notifications. But I think my plan each month is to put a post up there every time I do one of these video logs um, and basically say, look, use this thread to discuss the games that I've covered in the video log because um, I'm just very curious. Obviously, I've got my thoughts on all of the games that I've talked about, but I am curious to know what other people think uh, of them as well. But that's everything. I need to disappear now. We're going to get this video edited, and then I'm going to get ready for Bureau of Investigation tonight. Um, yeah, I feel that this video log has been a bit longer than normal, and you've probably not seen... I'm going to try and edit it all out, but I've been having all sorts of camera issues. Um, so the camera that I'm using to record this keeps coming up with an error and every time it does I have to stop the recording and, and everything else so hopefully everything is okay maybe it's got a little bit upset because I've just bought a new camera uh this morning more on that um yeah <laughs> you'll be you'll be seeing hopefully uh, once I've got this new camera working you'll be seeing some uh some new new kind of filming styles come into the come into the channel soon um which is you know, another reason for the Patreon support. The Patreon support, the financial support for the Patreon, not only pays for my time to take off work, but it also pays for new equipment and improvements to the channel. And I want to be spending more on the channel and improving things to make sure that you get the best videos you can get. Anyway, we are all done. Thank you very much to everybody for watching. Until next time, take care. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.